facial recognition, porn, cyberbullying, woke language, and getting ready for the holidays, all that and more on this episode of the Random Thoughts Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 217 of the Random Thoughts Podcast that is spelled R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill, and my, how time does fly. This is our last episode before Christmas. It seems that the year has flown by. There has been plenty to talk about this year, and I don't expect anything to change next year or anytime soon i know the holidays can be stressful i hope everybody is ready for the next couple of weeks here in the midwest we are allegedly about to get hit with a snowstorm and they never know literally what's going to come down when they started talking about this storm at the beginning of the week it was 12 inches it was going to be a big big blizzard And they're still saying a big, big blizzard, but the amount of snow is down to maybe four to eight inches, which means we might get two. We might get two feet. They don't know. But we're supposed to believe the same people can tell us what's going to happen with the weather and climate over the next 10, 20, 50 years. Another reason I just don't buy it because I'm old enough to remember seasons where we didn't get very cold, even here in Chicago where we didn't get a lot of snow dumped on us. But I also remember those winters where we did. Everything comes in cycles. It comes, it goes, and what you have now is a lot of people trying to tell you that the current cycle is caused by something, and they really have absolutely no idea. But I hope that the holidays, Christmas and New Year's coming up, are nice and non-stressful for you. These stats come out about this time all the time that heart attacks go way up during the holiday season. And I can see that people get stressed. A lot of it is self-induced and a lot of it is the bad food and amount of alcohol that is consumed. So be careful, be moderate and enjoy the holidays and ignore all of the garbage that come along with them now there is a woman who was just trying to enjoy the holidays with her daughter a girl scout troop traveled to new york and they were going to see the rockettes and it turned out that the mother her name is kelly conlin works for a law firm out of state not new york where they were But the law firm is involved with a lawsuit against the company that owns Madison Square Garden. And as she was walking into the venue, something happened that should scare everybody out there or at least inform you of what is going on in the world around you. Because her and her daughter going into Madison Square Garden to see the Rockettes She says nearly immediately, 
upon coming through the metal detectors at the door, an alert came down to the security that were working that area and identified her as somebody that needed to be stopped. She said she heard something woman with long, dark hair and a gray scarf. And all of a sudden, security is coming up to her, referring to her by name, knowing where she works, told her that she could not be there. Again, this is because she works for a law firm in New Jersey that is involved in a several-year-long personal injury litigation against a restaurant under the Madison Square Garden Entertainment banner. Madison Square Garden says this is just business as usual and all the law firms involved in any such litigation are informed of this and that is probably true and that is not what bothers me at all. With this case, it is the fact that the facial recognition technology is now at the point where the moment you walk into a venue, they know who you are immediately. I don't know if this woman ever had to give her facial information to any law enforcement. I don't know being involved with a law firm, whether or not you have to do that, if you need to register that in some way, shape, or form. But we know a lot of this kind of stuff has been scraped from social media, meaning they'll go to your Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever it is, and they can take all of that data where you are freely sharing your image and build a database on that, meaning it's very easy for companies to ban you entry. I mean, just wait till the government starts doing this because you said something they don't like on social media, because now that Elon Musk's Twitter is not going to ban you from the platform, they're just going to start banning you, allegedly, I think, maybe, if it gets to that point, from going into venues, from going into restaurants. Restaurant doesn't like your politics. There's really nothing to stop a restaurant from using this same technology, having a camera at their door and being like, well, nope. This guy, he's a definite Republican. Don't want him in our restaurant. We had a story very recently about a restaurant that canceled a large reservation for a conservative group because the employees were scared. They thought it endangered them to have to serve food to people that they didn't agree with politically. The facial recognition technology is not going away anytime soon. There have been a bunch of lawsuits regarding the use of this. Facebook was sued. Google was sued. I think Instagram is being sued now about the use of this kind of recognizable data. But you can't put the genie back in the bottle. And the technology is out there, and it is so good that it can pretty much instantaneously make a face match as it did with this woman trying to go in and see the Rockettes with her daughter. It is further proof that you are really not anonymous at this point, no matter where you go. And again, this technology is not going away. This technology can be used by just about anybody at this point. And I think we talked about this once before, just understand that just being out in public 
and having your face uncovered, which I guess maybe was the one good thing about masks with COVID because most people don't walk around with masks on now, at least not around here. But when your face is uncovered, it doesn't matter where you are. You have to be very aware of what's going on around you because you could be out at a bar, you could be out at a restaurant, you could be out at a ball game. And if somebody can snap your photo and run it through a database, there's a chance and the chances are getting better each and every day that they're going to hit a match on who you are, where you live. Privacy and anonymity, not going to be a big thing moving forward. And how is that going to change society? Probably not in a good way. And I really don't know what can be done at this point because everybody has the spy devices. Everybody has the cell phone and the cell phones have the cameras that can do some very amazing things at this point. And all those cameras are attached to the internet where the databases are, where you just upload the photo and go, Hey, show me more. You can see this if you want on your own. If you want to do a little homework, very easy. Go to a site like bing.com, go to their image search. And one of the things it will allow you to do is a search by using an image. So grab an image online, take one of your own, upload it, put the person's face in the visual area where it's like search by this, and you'll be amazed, or maybe you'll be horrified at what you might find. Of course, there are a lot of horrifying things on the internet, and a lot of them are probably tied to porn sites. Senator Mike Lee from Utah coming out with a bill that aims to protect teens, it says, but really children from pornography. And that seems like a good thing on the face of it. We've talked about it here when the UK tried to do exactly this and failed miserably because of the fact nobody seems to understand, even at this point, that the internet is a global phenomenon. Meaning, even if you're able to come up with a law that can do something to some companies, you can only really have an effect on those in the country where the law is passed. And the senator poses a valid question. He says, we require age verification at brick and mortar shops. Why shouldn't we require it online? And the answer to that is because it is way more difficult. And this comes down again on parents, either being good parents or bad parents on watching what their children are doing, monitoring what their children are doing. We don't do it on the Internet because it's almost impossible to do so. And what they want with this particular bill is to add some kind of age verification to pornography online, which seems like a great idea, except for the fact that the Supreme Court has already gotten a bunch of cases and they're always ruling down the First Amendment right, which is you can't block access to things because these kind of things, even though a lot of people don't like them, are considered part of the free speech sphere and not something completely out of that realm 
And the problem when you start doing the age verification thing is that it almost always has to then take away your anonymity, which, as we just talked about, is probably dead anyway. So maybe we shouldn't care about it. Or maybe that's why we should care twice as much as we used to because the privacy and anonymity thing is going away. And the other problem then becomes well, if you pass a law in the United States, companies that are based in the United States would have to abide by that. But I don't know what Senator Lee and others would think happens when that content is hosted by somebody in a country, not the United States, because then you have a whole nother problem. Those countries don't have to abide by the same laws. We've talked about that when it comes to things like virtual private networks, VPNs that are owned and operated out of Panama, where if they get a letter saying, Hey, people are using your service and they're pirating our content. They just throw it away because the law in Panama says you don't have to care. They can't do anything to you. You're not in the United States. You're not in the country where these claims are originating from. Thus, again, treating the Internet like it is something that exists in any one country and has to abide by the laws of those countries does not make sense. Does not make sense. That's not the way the technology works. For parents that want to keep their children away from watching porn, Don't give them devices. I know that seems like crazy advice. Don't give them the device. Don't pay for their internet. That'll stop most of the problem right there. Watch what they're doing when they're accessing the internet, which of course doesn't happen anymore because the interactions now are happening on the phone and the screens are too little. And parents really don't want to be like right over their kids' shoulders nonstop. But you really have to be. If you're giving them a phone, you're giving them access to the Internet. And when the Internet first came out, parents used to be really paranoid for good reason, because the Internet's always been a cesspool. But when the Internet first really hit, there were a lot of parents who were like, well, the computer's got to stay in the living room not in anybody's bedrooms because so we can see what's going on. We can monitor what you're doing because we know there's bad stuff on the internet. Now this is all changed to, Hey, here, have a phone, go play in your room. Don't tell us what you're doing. So it comes down to bad parenting yet again for parents that do not have any control over what their children are doing, but they'll provide them with the devices to do it and think like, well, no, these horror stories are never going to happen to me. Let the government figure it out. And the government comes by and like, well, we'll do age verification because that's an easy thing to do. And maybe somebody should tell Mike Lee that there's pornography on Twitter. There's pornography on every social media site that's out there and sure the social media sites have people working nonstop often to remove this stuff but you can't because it's the internet and there are millions of people posting millions of messages all the time 24 hours a day seven days a week so the end result to legislation like this while it seems like it might make sense not going to really have an effect on anything 
The UK tried something very similar to this. If you listen to this podcast, you heard all about it and it didn't work because of the logistics. And that is the problem with a lot of the stuff. When government doesn't understand the technology, they don't understand the logistics. They're like, wow, let's go protect the kids. But they have no idea how to do it. They have no idea how the technology would work. And they're assuming that kids are too dumb to understand how to use one of their parents' credit cards if you're going to use that or ID information if you're going to use that. Whatever you're going to do to try to prevent people from accessing a website, there's going to be a way to get around it, including using a VPN if you're coming in from a country that doesn't require it, because then the porn sites are just going to be like, well, we're not even going to worry. We're not going to ask people outside of the United States to log in, because again, that's the only place the law would be in effect. So it is not going to be effective. Yeah, it sounds like they're trying to do something good, but the logistics mean it's not going to be effective, which means it's a waste of time and a waste of money. And the end result, Senator Lee, is that parents need to parent their children. Parents need to know what their kids are doing, and parents need to keep their kids off of the porn sites. And if they catch them on a porn site, it's very easy. They take the device away. But no, parents don't want to do that because parents today, they all want to be the friends of the kids, not the actual parents of the kids. And then you wonder why the world is going down the proverbial toilet. Am I too hard on parents? If so, reach out. Let me know. Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at random, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com. Now, one parent that was in the news, oh my goodness, a Mount Pleasant woman charged in a catfishing scheme where she was cyberbullying her own daughter and her daughter's boyfriend. You can't make this stuff up. The article from the Morning Sun, a Mount Pleasant woman accused of engaging in a sophisticated catfishing campaign. It's really not that sophisticated, but again, People don't understand the technology. It says a sophisticated catfishing campaign of harassment that targeted two teens. Her daughter and her daughter's boyfriend was charged with five crimes, including one that accused her of attempting to frame another student. Kendra Gail Lakari, 42, charged Monday afternoon with two counts of stalking a minor two counts of using a computer to commit a crime and one count of obstruction of justice. The obstruction charge alleges that Lakari attempted to frame another minor for her actions during the investigation. Well, it shouldn't be that she attempted to frame another minor. It would be attempted to frame a minor because she's not a minor. She's 42, but again, journalisming, not good in the country at this point. Now, the woman was a girls basketball coach at the school at the time and for some reason started text messaging her daughter and her daughter's boyfriend. Maybe there were others. It doesn't really say in any of the articles with just overall negative messages. You know, you suck, whatever it is. And they were coming from a bunch of different phone numbers that were then eventually tracked to the mother. And it's funny. Because the daughter came complaining to her mom that somebody was cyberbullying her, which, again, shouldn't even be a thing. 
First Amendment. Let's go back to that one. But this is bad parenting 101 here because she comes to her mom and says somebody cyber bullying her with texts. And the mother then brings it to the school, the mother knowing that she was the one doing it, which is just hilarious. But the school, you know, they did their little investigation and there's only so much you can do as a school. And a lot of this stuff was going on outside of school hours. And this wasn't school devices. This was on the kids' phones. So this was turned over to the FBI who had compiled then 349 pages of harassing text and social media messages during the course of this investigation. I wonder if it's really big print or what? 349 pages of harassing text messages. That would seem to be like a lot, a lot of text messages. The mother in this case was hiding her IP addresses using a virtual private network, which, as we've talked about, is one way to get around that porn ban if it goes into effect, was using a VPN, which will anonymize your traffic to a certain point, again, depending on the company that you're using. There are some that are really good, and there are some that are not so good, but it seems like she wasn't really good at it. Maybe was turning things on and off, made a few mistakes. Who knows? But when she was confronted, she admitted that she had been doing this, never said exactly why she had been harassing her own child for over a year via text message anonymously. But she was released on a $5,000 bond following her arraignment. This week on Monday, the article says using a computer to commit a crime is a 10-year felony. Stalking a minor and obstruction of justice are both five-year felonies. So multiple felonies, which again, I find hilarious because we're living in bizarro world, United States, where people that get caught with 20,000 fentanyl pills aren't charged with dealing and just released without bail. This woman was being mean to her own kid via text message and is being charged with three felonies. So you got to be careful what you're doing out there. And you better, if you're going to be trying to cover your tracks, you better make sure you really know what you're doing. You really stalk a minor that is your own child. I'm kind of curious on that one, what the legalities are and is sending them text messages really stalking them that wouldn't seem to be stalking that would just seem to be plain old harassment and again this is the problem where i've heard even rational people say there's got to be a law something's got to be done with bullying and that is a very slippery slope just like anything else because there's a first amendment issue and it's a hate speech issue and the problem is that hate speech is speech So you can't say you have free speech if you're going to start limiting it at all. So the whole concept of, oh, no, she sent mean messages. Who cares? Tough it up. Have better parents. In this case, the parents are the problem. But you have to understand what happens when you start trying to restrict things. When you start trying to restrict speech at all, it is a very slippery slope as it is trying to age restrict content 
on the internet where again things are hosted in various places around the world so it's really a game of whack-a-mole there's nothing you're going to do to stop it just like with the facial recognition there's a thread going through all of these stories today you're not going to be able to put the technology back into the bottle you cannot erase it you cannot make it go away so anybody that is truly concerned about the well-being of children when it comes to porn don't give them a device if you're really worried about your children being cyber bullied don't give them a device they can't be cyber bullied if they don't have a device it's just a simple fact right there and maybe we'd all be better off maybe that would be a great law i mean if you're going to try to do this stuff that nobody will ever be able to enforce giving a child under the age of 18 a cell phone or access to the internet should be a felony right here you heard it first i think it should be a felony for any child under the age of 18 to have access to the internet because if you made that one law then you never have to worry about the kids under 18 finding porn online right because none of the kids are going to use a device either behind their parents back or the parents will be like oh here's a device i don't care just don't tell anybody this is why laws like this are moronic that's why laws like this will never work because they can't be enforced and it's up to the parents to teach their children don't go onto porn sites they're bad for you and it's up to parents to teach their children if somebody's bullying you sticks and stones whatever happened to that sticks and stones may break my bones but names will never hurt me now it's oh my god it's a felony to text somebody it's insanity it is absolutely insanity and a lot of this is because of really bad parenting and really bad governments who think like we can legislate we can legislate people away from being jerks you cannot it's an impossibility that genie was out of the bottle a long time before the internet came into being there is absolutely nothing you can do if a mother wants to start anonymously texting mean messages to her daughter and the boyfriend there's nothing you can do about it bad parenting has failed us but you know the educational system in this country has also failed us big time news that just came out this week stanford released an updated guide to what it considers harmful language this is the kind of language you shouldn't be saying on campus you could probably get thrown off the campus you could probably get thrown out of school if you dare use any of this harmful language that this was something that was launched in may a project known as the elimination of harmful language initiative again oh my god stanford freedom of speech where does that come into things today you know you're dealing with a bunch of radical leftist imbeciles when they're going after speech at every turn launched in may the project known as the elimination of harmful language initiative lists some prohibitive terms in 10 different categories that include things like racism homophobia and ableism now according to this guide in a section titled imprecise language they advise the people on campus to replace the term american with u.s citizen i would ask 
why are you being so mean to those people that aren't U.S. citizens? I don't know. That doesn't seem to be in the leftist way, but because American, it says, often refers to people from the United States, only thereby insinuating that the U.S. is the most important country in the Americas. <laughs> That's what this package from Stanford says, given to all the students. Well, here's the thing. Maybe the people at Stanford are too stupid, imbecilic to understand is that the name of the country is the United States of America. There is no other country with America. You have North America. That's a continent, not a country. You have South America. That's a continent, not a country. You have Latin America. That's another group of countries. So I don't know. Maybe the people at Stanford need a basic geography lesson, but it's bad to say American. You have to say U.S. citizen instead of American. But I think that's very hateful to the people that are in this country illegally, which, as we all know, the border is a bit porous at this point. So I'm very surprised that the leftist from Stanford would want to exclude those people. They are not Americans if they are not citizens. That's what Stanford's saying here, isn't it? They are not Americans if they are not citizens. They also, of course, listed the term immigrant. You cannot use immigrant. That should be replaced by person who has immigrated or non-citizen. See, this is the insanity of language that, well, no, of course, somebody that immigrated is an immigrant, right? No, 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 no. It's, it's rude to say immigrant. You now have to say person who has immigrated. Why? It does not make any sense. They also cannot say that a place on campus now, you know, like your professor has walk-in hours for students who want to come in and talk to them. Well, because that's ableist, you have to just now say open hours because, you know, some people can't walk. Uh-huh. That makes absolute sense. As somebody who only has uh, half my vision, I don't mind if somebody says, blind date and doesn't mean they're actually blind stanford also cautioned against the common frayed frayed i am afraid the common phrase beating a dead horse because it normalizes violence against the animals yeah did you know that somebody saying yeah you know what we're just beating a dead horse here that normalizes violence against animals no no, Stanford, it does not normalize violence against animals. It is just a saying. And people understand what the saying represents. Well, no, wait. Well-educated, rational, adjusted people, they all understand what that means. People at Stanford obviously have no idea. The people at Stanford must be way out there on the idiot scale. As a random Twitter user quoted the late, great George Carlin, political correctness is fascism pretending to be manners. Yes, maybe Stanford will wake up and see that, but it's doubtful at this point. Everybody is way too far down the rabbit hole, worried about, oh, no, it is hurtful language to say immigrant. No. It's hurtful language to say 
incarcerated. You have to say somebody who has been incarcerated. I mean, that's right. I don't know. Let's just make everything twice as difficult and make everybody question the language that they're using. So you could have the language police come clamp down on you, which is exactly the slippery slope we've been talking about when it comes to having free speech. You either have it or you do not. There's really nothing in between. If you have it, people are able to say the most vile, disgusting things that they want. But on the flip side of that is you actually have the freedom to say whatever you want. If somebody comes out and says they really, really love the Nazi party, well, then you can make your case against them. You don't want to shut them down. You do not want to silence people. You want them out in the open saying whatever they want to say. And you don't want a society that is afraid to say anything because if they use the wrong word, then they're going to be thrown in jail. Let's forget about the stuff like people with Tourette's who can't help but say things they know they shouldn't say. Those people would all just be put to death because that's the only way to deal with that kind of thing. When you're living in a fascist society like these fascists at Stanford University, it's all really, really sad. But here we are four days away when this podcast is being recorded and drops from Christmas Day 2022. And it's a good time to unplug. It's a good time to relax, spend some time with family, you know, at least the family members that you can stand and understand that the reason behind the holiday is the birth of Jesus of Nazareth. It's been a little bit consumerized since then, but I think it's always good to understand where it all started, understand the reasoning behind it. And as Bill O'Reilly mentioned the other day, how absolutely incredible is it that Jesus of Nazareth is still the most famous person on the planet 2,000 years plus here now after his birth? There was no social media back then. I mean, do you think Jesus would have had a good Instagram or TikTok been doing that kind of thing? I mean, it would be a lot easier to spread the message because here we are today with the technology that we have. I'm sitting in my house talking into a microphone and people all around the world will hear this. We have people in the United States and Canada and the UK. In Australia, listening, we have people in the Netherlands. We have people in France. We have people in pretty much every country up and down the line, which is an honor and it is a humbling thing to know that you have that kind of a platform. You have the ability for your message to go around the world pretty much instantaneously. Jesus of Nazareth did not have that ability did not have the technology, yet word of his actions and his teachings spread around the globe. And here we are thousands of years later, and not much has changed. Well, like the world has changed, not for the better. We could use 
another visit, I think. But Christmas changes between the times that you're a child, which you only get very few of, where the magic of Christmas, wondering what Santa's going to bring to being an adult, everything changes. Not necessarily for the better, but not necessarily for the worst. When you're a child, it's all about what am I going to get as an adult? Hopefully, unless you're a complete narcissist, changes into what can I do for other people? Surprise them, get them a present maybe they're not expecting to do a kindness for somebody, all in the spirit of Jesus. But I remember one of the greatest things is watching a child when he can't get to his presence. And every year, this is brought up on Christmas Eve, my nephew Brandon, when we used to go out as a family to dinner, so, you know, outside of the house, no presents you can go run to right after dinner's over. You can't go run and get your present and be like, can I open them now? Can I open them now? Can I open them now? When you go out to a restaurant and you could just see his face, Throughout the whole meal, he was didn't didn't want to eat anything. But when it came to the point of, hey, would anybody like dessert? Oh no, you want no. Then coffee, God forbid there was coffee. It was not a happy kid. And he gets reminded of this now every year, and I'm sure he loves it. But to be fair, I he's almost getting to the point where he's about 30, and I think he still wants to get to the presents. And what presents to get? That is a hard thing. Because as adults, most of us just buy whatever we want when we want it. Otherwise, the things we don't buy when we want it are the ones that cost way too much money for anybody to buy as a gift. So it's a catch-22. It's like, what do I want? I don't know. It's not easy when you have to make a Christmas list. It is not easy to do so. So if you can actually find somebody a gift that wasn't on their list that they like, that you did your homework and were able to come up with something, you deserve extra credit. And for those of you that ask for gift cards, don't do it. You know who you are. It's no fun. Gift cards are no fun. You're taking away all the fun. There's no surprise. There's no excitement in somebody's eyes. Nobody's ever opened up a gift card and was like, wow. And I have a simple theory, too, that anytime somebody asks for a specific gift card, I just give the universal gift card. My wife is way nicer, I'm sure, than I am. But if somebody asks for a gift card for a certain place, like get me a Starbucks gift card, I'm just going to give cash and write Starbucks gift card on it. Because when you ask for a specific gift card, you're basically asking for cash, but you're asking somebody to go out of their way to get a special card that turns the cash into a different kind of cash that you can only spend at a certain place rather than, you know, just popping off a couple of 20s. And again, I think you're only cheating yourself you could have gotten something a little bit more interesting a little bit more exciting but i digress before this bit gets me into more trouble than it's worth uh, on one of the christmas celebrations that i'll be attending this weekend but the best gift you can give somebody is just that your time your attention we live in an insane world and the holidays are a good time to touch base see how everybody's doing everybody is under their own kind of stress. Remember that. Give a little more leeway this holiday season out on the roads when you're going to do your shopping, especially if it's happening during a blizzard like it may be here in the Chicago area. And when you're gathered together with your family and friends, whether you like it or not, 
The reason you're doing it is because of the birth of a guy 2,000 years ago who became the most famous person on the face of the earth without TikTok. I do want to thank everybody once again for hanging out with me, listening to these shows. I know there are a lot of different things you can do with your time, and it's an honor that you are listening to the Random Thoughts podcast. It is a value for value operation, which means I put the shows out there. You get to decide if you've gotten any value out of them whatsoever. And if you do, you share that value back with us in a variety of ways, including monetarily. You can go to our website, randomthoughts.com slash donate. Use the donate button for a one-time or monthly donation through PayPal. Use the QR codes or wallet addresses if you want to go the crypto route. You can use the P.O. Box address if you like snail mail. Keep Uncle Sam's children in business. And if you are part of the podcasting 2.0 ecosystem, you can boost us, stream us some Satoshis, newpodcastapps.com. And if you're over on Patreon, you can hit us at patreon.com slash random thoughts. A big thank you today to our executive producer using the snail mail route. Our friend Vox coming in with $50. That is a Christmas miracle here on the Random Thoughts podcast. Vox does a show. We've been trying to help her get it up and running and the audio sounding good. Go check it out. It's called Complex Candor and you can find the show that she does with a guy named Sam over at complexcandor.com. So just one donation this week, but it was a good one. Thank you, Vox. And I get it. Uncle Joey, he is, uh, he's draining your bank accounts and people want to put food on the table. How crazy is that? But let's hope for a better 2023, but there's still one more random thoughts before that rolls around. So with that said, I will be back next week with another episode of the random thoughts podcast. Until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Have a very Merry Christmas and thanks for listening. 